0: So high right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama. Oh my mama, made
1: it possible. Rain and Jays back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Ooh. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars
0: Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, listening somewhere on some device, watching the show on YouTube, I really do appreciate you making this show part of your daily Monday through Friday routine. I'm John Corrales. I host this show Monday through Friday. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal, and I am the author of the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, a book that is now available at bookstars everywhere and on my website, johncorrales.com, if you want to get a signed copy. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Today, we're going to talk about just the the state of the Celtics and Jason Tatum's uh, all-NBA case, which I broke down on Boston Sports Journal. And to do that, let me bring in my good friend, former coworker now at boston.com and host of co-host of the Geno time podcast, Tom Westerholm. Tom, what's going on?
1: I gotta say, man, uh, this new setup is pretty cool. Uh, because I get to be introed, uh, with Millie's yeah. and I'm like an unabashed Millie's fan. So, uh, if he, I don't know if he listens or whatever, but shout out to Millie's, uh, um, I, I rock with him. He's really, he's really good.
0: He's, he's good. He, he does a, a, a fine job. And I like, I'm an old, so I don't normally like new music. He puts out new music that I, that I can, I can mess with. Like, so I'm, 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 I like Millie's and. I feel like,
1: he, yeah, I feel like he bridges that gap. It's like somebody like yourself, like, yeah, you know, he's got, he's got real bars and you know, somebody right. like me, I, I really
0: appreciate him. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I love bringing you on. Because I listen to the Geno Time podcast, and I love listening to you guys. Kind of, I don't know. You, uh, the last, the last one I listened to with you and Nicole and Grenham, it was like a, uh, almost like uh, you were trying to justify being negative by saying, "But we're really, really big on the team next year." Like. <laughs> Uh, which is fun I like to bust your balls about uh being negative about the team but uh, that that seems to be the slant that you guys go into so I like I like to bust your balls about it so all right so after after the Orlando game looking at where they are right now wh- where's where's your state of mind
1: look I'm really high on next year
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no I' mean in all seriousness, I think that some things are really starting to come together for them um, in some in some interesting ways. I think the rotation feels like it's starting to make a lot more sense. Big shout out to Aaron Niesmith big shout out to Peyton Pritchard uh, for, for continuing to come on strong. I think with those two guys kind of in tow, they all of a sudden they have that extra wing defender in Niesmith they have I mean Pritchard's stretching the floor to like 30 feet like that's really really right. useful. I mean, Fournier being healthy and starting to look like a real basketball player again, which like obviously wasn't his fault that he wasn't, but um, him starting to look like a real basketball player again has made just a huge difference. Like, you know, I'm still not like, oh, this team's going to make like a run to the Eastern Conference Finals or anything like that. Like I'm not like super confident in, in them this season. But like, again, you know, like it, it sounds like, you know, like I'm like I'm joking, but seriously, like I think there's a lot to be really excited for, you know, next season. And I'm curious to see how they sort of, um, you know, how they sort of build toward that. Because I, I think that having a nice little playoff run here is very much in the picture. And if you can build some some kind of good vibes to, to finish this season out, I think there's a lot to be, uh, you know, a lot to be hopeful for. I, I kind of like where this team is. I just don't kind of, I don't see them as a contender right now, but I do, yeah, I, I kind of like where they're at.
0: Yeah, look, I, I, I think that if if everybody just agrees that the, this, I don't know, I never really thought that this was a contending Year. Yeah, like, I never thought that this was. They have a chance to win an NBA title year, and I think, first of all, there's that that attitude of, well, if it's not a championship, it's a loss, like that, which is a I think a poor attitude to have. Like obviously, every team's goal is to ultimately win a championship within a certain time period, but there's there's a a lot that can go well in between that like. This season doesn't have to be a championship season. The the, the conference finals that they went to last year, and, and the way this thing turned around, I I think another like you get to the second round if you make it to the conference finals, then great, that's awesome. Yeah. But um that that I, I'm not I'm not too hell bent on that. I never thought that this was going to be a, a a title year. So when we look at where we thought this team was going to be. We're actually starting to catch up a little bit to where we thought they were going to be. This bench has been a mess all season long. It took getting Evan Fournier as the replacement for Gordon Hayward, albeit late. But Fournier, if they decide to keep him, uh, Nismith has shown promise. Pritchard has has done well all year. Got to figure out Romeo Langford. Poor guy, like another another concussion protocol stint, like if it's not one thing, it's the other with him, he can't catch a damn break, but if if Langford can show something now now we're talking about four guys potentially off the bench, depending on what they do with Marcus Smart and Kimball Walker in the off season that that's not the that's not a bad bench,
1: no so, yeah. I I mean, and and like, I, I really like Romeo, like, like from a potential standpoint, like I've, I've been high on him since basically high school, like he's like kind of similar to Neesmith, except on maybe like a much less lucky level in terms of injuries, obviously, but like the Celtics kind of are running the same playbook with both of those guys where they're asking them to do things that they weren't. Necessary. I mean, Niesmith was never known as a guy who was throwing his body all over the floor and, and just you know like flying around everywhere. That was that wasn't who he was. He was a shooter. Um, and now he's starting to shoot really well. And the fact that he has been playing really good defense and he's been throwing his body all over the floor is kind of like oh well, now he's got the confidence to go do that. You look at Romeo. It's the same thing. He was not known as a defender. In fact, I, his high school scouting was just like people people acknowledged that nobody really plays AAU defense, but like he was especially egregious. He didn't play any defense in AAU and, you know, now he's kind of a defensive guy. Like he's, he's a really good defender or he's, you know, he's, he's shown some really good defensive flashes at least. So, you know, like once Romeo, like, I think if, if this works for Romeo too, if they're able to kind of build him up into doing things that he couldn't necessarily previously do and then add in the stuff that he's actually good at, I think there's a lot of promise there he's just got to be able to stay on the floor. Like, I, it just seems like that's the biggest thing is, I mean, you know, the same thing with Rob, right? Like where there were long stretches where he couldn't stay on the floor and he never looked like an NBA player, you know, when he finally was able to get in like, let's, I mean, I think a lot of people have kind of given up on Romeo from what I see on my Twitter timeline. I think it's way too early to do that. Uh, I, I just, I really want to see what he can do. Like, I think there's, there's a lot of promise there. That's, that's still untapped.
0: The- this is going to be an interesting next season for Romeo Langford because like it, it could be an interesting playoffs. Like this is concussion protocol. Like he bumped heads with somebody. I don't know who, and he had a headache. So is he going to be able to clear the concussion protocol? When is he going to be able to, to clear the concussion protocol? Will it be before the regular season ends? Would it be before they face Miami? Will he get any opportunities in these upcoming games? Like it's still possible that they can go to Romeo and get something out of him. They went to him unexpectedly in the playoffs last year and he actually produced some. So I'm, I'm not ready to give up on Romeo now, but like at some point he has to be able to stay on the floor. He like, he's, he's got to get pat. Like he broke his wrist. That's a freak thing. He has a concussion. He got COVID like all of these freak things. Is he just going to be so unlucky that he'll never just be healthy? Or at some point does this settle down? um, And I'm, I'm going to say this because I don't want people to go, go nuts here, but Steph Curry was a guy that had a bunch of ankle injuries and people wrote him off with all of those ankle injuries And that was the same thing. That was a chronic thing. They figured that out and his career took off, obviously. I'm not saying by any stretch that Romeo Langford could end up being like that. But my point is, there are examples of guys who have gone through extended periods of injuries. And once you figure out some stability with him, that his career can take off to whatever level his career is going to be. So I'm still hopeful. I still see the the fundamentals in Romeo. I think that he can be a guy that can initiate an offense. I still think that he can be a guy that attacks and defends. The question is, can he stay on the floor and he can, can he develop that three point shot to anything reliable?
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, Brad keeps talking about how like early in Romeo's career, he talked over and over about like kind of how good Romeo looked in the pick and roll um, how he can make some of those more difficult reads. And we've seen him do that at times. It's just, I mean, he's not ready for it yet. Like every time he gets thrown into that role, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little tough at this point, but that's a difficult role to play in the NBA. Like that, that takes some time and takes some practice. And honestly, one of the toughest things about playing for the Celtics right now, as one of these young guys is that the other thing it takes is, is the ability to make a bunch of mistakes. Like you have to be able to just mess some things up. Like, you know, I look at Darius Garland in in Cleveland and I was super high on Garland coming in. And then that, that first year I was like, "Eh, I don't know, maybe I was a little too high on him. He was allowed to just make a ton of mistakes and just be like, you know, try to develop into something. And now he's starting to really learn how to be a decent NBA player. And, you know, next up he has to learn how to kind of help a team win. But um, I think that's one of the toughest things for Romeo. And, and, you know, probably one of the things that was difficult for Aaron Neesmith early on too, is just, you come onto the Celtics and, there's not time for you to throw the ball away. There's not time for you to like practice different reads. Like you just got to be able to play basketball, and that's that's really tough for a for a rookie. I think
0: that that brings up an interesting point that I want to get to after we take a, a, a quick break. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But first, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We've got baseball season in full swing. Get it, full swing. Uh, also. Uh, NBA obviously NHL UFC MMA you can bet on anything sports around the world at bet online go to bet online use your laptop your mobile device mobile device whichever one and use the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit whatever you want to put in there 200 bucks you get a $100 welcome bonus on your first deposit you can bet on non sports things you can bet on reality shows you can bet on current events things like you can bet on a lot on Bet Online, So go check them out and make sure you use that promo code On for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, please gamble responsibly. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist and you can follow us on Spotify. All right, before the break, we were talking about uh, Romeo Langford. So let me bring Tom back in here to get the... I, I wanted to follow up on what you said. Are the Celtics in a position to properly develop rookies, do you think? Because they're now entering the stage of they need guys to contribute. So are, are we done with the immediate... Like, or, or Are we done with the get in, take your time, develop, and all that stuff? Or, or are the Celtics get in a position now where Pretty soon they're going to start needing to act like the, the Clippers, you know, trading for your veterans and, like, rookies, thanks, goodbye. We're going to trade these draft picks and and start giving up these first-round picks for guys that can come in and help immediately.
1: I don't think so because, I, I mean, like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are still, like, you know, 24, 25, 23, whatever they are right now. Like, they're still really young. Um, you know, like, and obviously they're, they're ready to, to be stars right now. But I think that there is still, um, you know, some time where you can draft guys and bring them along a little bit. And I think the other thing is if you make good draft picks, they can contribute. Like I I think about Neesmith and yes, it took him all season, but this what like to to get to the point where he's at now, where he actually does look like a real contributor, but you know, give him a training camp, give him a summer league, and maybe it happens a lot sooner. Same thing for Pritchard, you know, I mean, Pritchard was kind of, contributing right off the bat but right. you know m- maybe that's maybe that's the answer is like instead of like instead of drafting like a project like yeah the Celtics probably um like it would have been difficult to work uh Pokosevsky into their like lineup this year because he <laughs> was like a but like um you know maybe some of these guys who are a little bit more NBA ready and have a little bit of upside too like you know I, I don't like I don't certainly don't think Aaron Neesmith is a finished product, even though. Um, You know, he does have some somewhat NBA ready skills or some skills that were close to NBA ready. Um, You know, maybe that's the direction you go instead of instead of taking on projects. Um, So I think that there's probably some adjustments that you can make to your drafting strategy. But I don't think it needs to just be like, okay we have this first round pick. So this is definitely trade bait. Like you can definitely trade it. But I don't think it like it has to move out the door for a veteran just because you know, you're trying to be a contending team.
0: Yeah, I think we're right at the, the, the cusp of that point where, uh, and look, I, I think the Celtics do need to, to, to bring in some level of veteran leadership. Now, Tristan Thompson's supposed to be one of those guys. I, I don't know what he's like in the locker room. There, there were those reports earlier around the trade deadline, but you look at how they're acting on the floor with each other. I think they all like each other. I think Tristan Thompson is pretty, pretty well liked in that locker room. I love that moment after the 60 point game from Tatum where he went up to deuce and was like, your daddy's a bad man. Uh, so I think, I think that they, they respect Tristan Thompson. They, they re- react to Tristan Thompson, but also at the same time, Tristan is like dating a Kardashian and thinks that the regular season is, you know, horse crap and, I'm not so sure that he's the exact person to to be that veteran. It's not like he's Chris Paul in the locker room. You know what I mean? So I do think that there some level of additional veteran help that's been around can help this team next year.
1: I think so too. But I, I would also add, though, that, I mean, look, like Jalen and Jason have been around for a minute. Like they've they've, sure. they've been through a lot of stuff like – Yeah, they're not, you know, super veterans who've been around forever. But like at a certain point, I I just kind of wonder how much veteran help those two actually need um, in in terms of just like in terms of the locker room. I mean, veteran help in terms of guys who can play basketball is always appreciated.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I just I just want one more guy in there. It's always good to have that balance, you know, that that you don't want to you want to make sure that they're kept in check. Just you just want one little check in that locker room. And Al Horford would be perfect.
1: Yeah. I, look, I mean, I think Fournier helps a little bit with that. You know, you got a guy who's who's been around for a while and who's who's been on losing teams a lot. You know, a guy who understands like, hey, I I know what it's like when a team is bad. It sucks. Like, let's not be that. You know, I wouldn't. Yeah. And obviously, Fournier is super new. I don't know that he's a that he feels necessarily the uh, um, that he's maybe got the cachet to do that right this second. But you know, he's a uh, but he's he's a veteran too. So I think. As he gets more comfortable, he might help too.
0: I like that point. I think that's a good point that having Fournier in here coming in from the, the, the magic who have tried and tried and tried and had minimal success to come into this locker room at a time where it feels like there's a ton of pressure on these guys for him to come in and be like, probably I, if I, I'm assuming that he would be like, Hey, look, it's not that bad. You know, I know what Pat is like. I've been through bad. <laughs> You guys got it good over here. Like, you guys are eating steak. We're eating spam. Like that—that's the, the the type of perspective that. Hey, sometimes a young team like this needs that, and we forget how young the Celtics are because Tatum has been around and Brown has been around for a long time. You know, Brown's already you know on his second contract now. Feels like Smart has been on this team for ten years. Like, they've been around for a while, so you forget that they're all in their twenties. And Fournier coming in and, and being like, you know, the, the the pressure that you may be feeling, even though it's Boston and the banners and the mystique and all that stuff, like it's still basketball. So I think I think yeah. that that's a, a good point. Now, before we, we head into our next break, let's let's just look ahead real quick because on Thursday night we saw the Atlanta Hawks lose to the Indiana Pacers, which helps helps the Celtics a little bit. I don't know if the Celtics are gonna catch Atlanta because uh the Hawks have the tiebreaker, but they're tied in the loss column. So as the Celtics head into Friday night against the Chicago Bulls, Chicago beat Charlotte. So they're on a back-to-back. They're coming off a win. I don't know if Zach Levine's going to play in Friday night's game, but we'll see. Uh, Celtics, no Jalen Brown. Uh, was it Tristan was probable? I, probable, um, I believe. Yeah. Um, Robert Williams on the on the report now with turf toe. The, let, now let me ask you this. Turf toe is no joke. Like yeah, it's not. that's that's a problem. That and for people who don't know tur- turf toe, it's like a, a sprain of the joint in the big toe. That's painful. Yeah. You kind of need the big toe to push off when you're Robert Williams like that. <laughs> and so much of Rob Williams' game is pushing off. <laughs> that's a problem. So I'm I actually think like there's if he does have turf toe now that's going to bug him and it depends yeah. on how serious a case it is cuz we just saw was in a, in the super bowl like uh mahomes had it right yeah. and he he had he ended up needing surgery to to correct it so but you, we saw how limited he was in the super bowl because of that trifto is is a problem for especially for a super athlete like rob so now now i am actually a little bit worried about that because they need him out there uh the good thing is that Rob is – they, they need his athleticism, obviously, but he's such a good ball mover that even Rob at a reduced role can still be impactful. It's just that if teams know that he's not exactly the same threat, that changes how they defend those pick and rolls. But um, I don't know. Looking forward, what's as you look for the rest of the season here, Where where in your gut do you think the Celtics end up? Well,
1: this is gonna sound funny given that like you brought me on because I'm I'm the negative podcast. I, I kind of think that like there's a real chance that they still end up in that four or five. Um, like the Knicks schedule. If you look at that Knicks schedule going forward, like, that is
0: is nasty, man. I didn't mention like, they play the Phoenix Suns on Friday night. Yeah, Phoenix got yeah. blown out by Atlanta. They're in that, that fight for first. They're gonna be yep. pissed off. They have motivation to win that game. And then they have the Clippers, and then they have the Lakers, and both – I mean, the
1: Clippers are tied with the Nuggets right now. The Lakers need wins badly. Like, this – like, those three games right there could all be losses, like, very reasonably. Um, And meanwhile, the Celtics, like, they have those two games against the Heat, but you look ahead at some of the rest of their games, and there's a lot of winnable contests on there. Like, if they get to the last night of the season against the Knicks, I I mean, I don't – I wouldn't be surprised if that game actually has – like, real seating implications on the final night, which would be pretty entertaining, honestly. But, um, I, I mean, I honestly, I, I feel pretty good about the Celtics' positioning. Now, like, the team has been inconsistent enough that, like, it's certainly possible that they, you know, lose four out of six and end up in the play-in game somehow. But, like, I think reasonably you could look at the Celtics' schedule and look at, like, the Knicks' schedule. Uh, I think you're right that the Hawks are going to be really tough to catch. They're, they have two games against the Wizards. Um, and other than that, it's, it's the Rockets and I believe the magic, which should just be automatic wins. But, um, you know, like look at, looking at that, like five seed, I don't think it's out of the question. And if the Celtics get the five seed, I, I, I think that that's, you know, good business going into the playoffs. I think that that would be a really, uh, a really good result.
0: I think, yeah, I, I originally, when I was looking at it a couple of weeks ago, I thought they could get, get that fourth seed, but the Celtics then turned around and lost to the the thunder and <laughs> had some really bad losses. So that, that screwed it up, but I'm with you. I think, I think that four five series is very well in reach, even though they're, they're a game out of the fifth seed, which is Atlanta. But that Knicks, I really think the Knicks, I, I said the Knicks were going to fall to seven before. If they lose to Phoenix, that, that could really trigger uh, a fall in the standing. So that would be, that would be ideal for the Celtics. Um, so yeah, I think, I think four or five is, is legit. So, all right, we're going to head into another break here. And when we come back, Jason Tatum on the all NBA team, I wrote about it on Boston sports journal. We're going to look at with the way guys are classified. Now does Jason Tatum have a case for all NBA before that? I want to, tell you about Bilt Bar. If you haven't had a Bilt Bar, you are missing out because they are delicious. Uh, I've run out of my Bilt Bars because I've been eating them every day. I love them so much that I buy them with my own money. I am a customer as well as an an advertiser of Bilt Bar. So it's not just that they give me free ones. They have. I've eaten them all. Now I'm going to buy even more because they come in a ton of different... Delicious flavors. They got nine in the regular rotation. If you go to BuiltBar.com, you can go and get the limited time flavors that they keep dropping, and they have a lot of different ones. They get a ton of different products at Built Bar, so go check it out at BuiltBar.com. Most of these flavors are somewhere in the seventeen grams of protein range, at only about one hundred and thirty calories or so. The range goes from about one thirty to one eighty. You're generally getting about four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and so. That that is a great uh, a, a great in, uh, nutrition uh, label there. Whatever. What, what am I trying to say here? That it's good. It's good for you. <laughs> Have a built bar after a workout. Get the protein that you need. Have a built bar in the morning for breakfast if you want it as a meal replacement. It's delicious. Get a box for mom. Mother's Day is coming up, like in a few days. You want something unique? Get her a box. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Be sure to follow our social channels at LOCeltics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. The $32 million question for Jason Tatum is, will he make an all NBA team? He is uh, going into the first year of a five-year contract extension. That's worth about $163 million. If he gets an all NBA team, if he makes an all NBA team, doesn't matter which one he under the Rose rule can make up to $195 million. The question now is, will Jason Tatum make it onto an all NBA team? Tom, Tom, they announced today, once again, and I don't know why, but Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic are eligible at the center and forward positions. I don't know why, if they're going to have centers and forwards designated, that you would be allowed to designate Embiid or Jokic as forwards when they haven't played a single second of forward in this season. So what I'm afraid of Tom. Is that. Voters will say. We couldn't. We, we were kind of robbed. Because of injuries. Of a real MVP race. Between Jokic and Embiid. And we don't want to put Embiid on the second second team. Because he's been so good this year. That we will reward him. By, by classifying him as a forward. Thus taking away one of the six spots. For Jason Tatum. And. I understand it. If I was a voter and I wanted to, I really wish I could have voted for Embiid as an MVP, but I can't. But what I'll do is, hey, I can make him a first team all NBA guy. That kind of makes up for it. It kind of sends the signal that I I wanted to, to at least have a real MVP race. Now, I don't know. First, do you buy that? And second of all, does, do you think that, how much do you think that hurts Tatum's all NBA case? So here, here's my thing with it. I,
1: I, I think one of the fun things about Jokic and Embiid being so good this year is that it's sort of been this, like, resurgence of the center position, right? Like, it's, it's been, like, sort of refiguring out how a super talented behemoth can dominate the game. Right. And I almost feel like classifying Embiid or Jokic, whoever you want, as a forward, is, like, like that, that's – no. Like, it's their centers. <laughs> like, that's, that's half the fun is that the center position is back. Like, there's a whole bunch of impactful centers – and it's fun to choose them. Now, if you just want – like, like a half the fun is just being like, okay, man, like this is a really tough decision. I just think Jokic is a little better. Like, sorry, Embiid, your second team. Like, that's that's the whole point of, like, choosing a position. Now, if you just want it to be repre- – if, if you want the all-NBA teams to be representative of the best players, I 100% buy that argument and, and I'm cool with that. Like, if you just think that, like, Jokic and Embiid should be first-teamers because they've been two of the best players in the NBA, fine. But then it should be front court, back court. Like it should right. just be three front court players and two back court players. Right. So, I mean, that's where I land on it. I think it's, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's, a, it's like an insult to the center
0: position. Like they're not forwards, dude. They're, they're centers. They're not forwards. They're not. They're, they play back to the basket. Um, although, okay. Jokic faces up and all that stuff, but he's still, he's still the five. And he's a center. There's no, there's no way. They're, they don't play anybody else that, that takes away minutes from him at center. They doesn't. So my, my, I don't care necessarily except that money's involved now. And this is a, a possibility. You take away one of these forward spots for Tatum and, I can sit here and be like Tatum will probably make 10 All NBA teams in his career. So if he makes 10 versus 11, it's not going to hurt anything. If his career continues in this fat in this fashion, he'll make plenty, he'll be in the Hall of Fame, he's going to make plenty of money, all of that stuff fine. But you never know how things are going to go. You never know what injury is lurking around the corner, and we're talking about generational wealth and 32 million dollars is still 32 freaking million dollars that could be that he could lose out on. And heaven forbid, if something happens to him, that $32 million goes a long way because you're done as an NBA player making money generally after you're 35 to 40 years old, unless you're the elite of the elite and you can keep getting endorsements. But the bulk of your money for the rest of your life is made before, you're, before you turn 40. And th- this generational wealth, I just don't want to mess with anybody's money. That's just, that's just where it boils down to for me. So I, I'm not upset necessarily, but I do think it's a little silly to, to give people this option the way it's going. So now there, there's a potential for it to be five forward spots. And here's the other side of it. There's a ton of guards. There are a ton of guards that deserve all NBA. And you can put Luka Doncic as a forward. When he's very clearly obviously been a point guard all year. So if you want to vote, let's say Steph and Damian Lillard and say, yo, Dame Time has propped up Portland. Look at how great Portland's doing. I want to make them both first team guards, and I want to put Luca in there. Now Luca's a forward. You could have a first team of Curry, Lillard, Doncic. And Bead and Jokic, and now two actual forwards, two actual wings, are are going to get left off of this this team, which further hurts Jason Tatum's case. So let's let's look at the the candidates here. Giannis well, is, just Real, quick, real yeah. quick, before you do that,
1: I did want to say too that like that argument also works the other way, where it's like I don't want to mess with people's money, and if you say like um and, and like all NBA selections matter for that. So you could, again, if you went front court, back court, like you could just eliminate the problem. Like, because then it's like, okay, Joel B deserves to be a first team. He's having a first team season. Fine. But like, again, then it's front court. It's like, it's not like you're like the NBA is the one making these designations that just like, don't really make sense. Right. But anyway. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's the
0: media who has to vote and make these decisions. Yeah. <laughs> so we know Giannis is in, we know Kawhi is going to be in. Those are two locks. Um, LeBron is LeBron kicks off the did they play enough to to make it so did Kevin Durant play enough to make it he's he's played 29 games going into as we speak if he plays the rest of their games what do they have six games left or something he's gonna have like 35 36 games half the season is half the season enough for a guy to make an all-nba team
1: to me no uh like half the season is just like that's (laughs) I don't know. I mean, Kevin Durant is clearly one of the best players in the NBA. And I think everybody knows that. And it's just like, sorry, man, like half the season isn't enough to me.
0: This is the thing though, that attitude, what you just said is, is what would hurt. I think Tatum's case. Cause you say, look, let's be honest. Kevin Durant is like the second, third best player in the league right now. Maybe like, however you want to classify it. He's in like that top handful and you say, okay, He's, he hasn't played enough to be first-team All-NBA. Is voting for him third-team All-NBA enough to be like, dude, you are so freaking special that I can't leave you off, but I'm going to knock you down a third-team just to be like, I don't think you played enough games. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who just say, I cannot overlook Kevin Durant. I cannot leave Kevin Durant off because every time he touches the floor, he is so outrageously special. I think that's a possibility. I think it's a possibility. I also think that, like, putting him on third team, I,
1: like, leaving him off entirely, I feel like there's, like, a, a very legitimate argument for that, um, for, for saying to him, like, like I'm not, I'm not going to, like, degrade you to the point of putting you on third team. I'm just going to, like, like take you out of consideration. Like, you are not in consideration, even though you are one of the greatest players. Like, like um, you know, the, these other guys, like, they, they just played enough games, and, and they're, right. you know, very talented. I still think you're better, but like, you're just not even, it's almost like you're not even on the ballot. Like you're just completely removed from the ballot and that's not a talent thing. It's just, it's just an availability thing.
0: Right. So then that, that could impact LeBron, uh, it could impact, well, it definitely will impact Anthony Davis. So now you get into like, here, here are a couple of guys, Zion Williamson. Is he an all NBA guy for you?
1: I haven't like sat down and done it out. Um, he's had a really good season. Uh, like, I think, I think he's certainly like, uh, like talented enough. Um, but I don't know. I, I I honestly have not given Zion enough thought. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say yes. With a question. (laughs) mark.
0: Yeah. See Zion, Zion has been like great and and unique and his numbers. I think statistically he's had a, like a higher scoring season. He's shooting obviously, you know, 60% from the field. So his, his shooting numbers are going to be great. Um, but the Pelicans are a you know notoriously bad fourth quarter team. They they're kind of fighting for their playoff lives. They're not necessarily in it. There there are things working against him. Uh, Julius Randle is another name that I think when you factor in, like Tatum is statistically slightly ahead of Julius Randle this year. I think, but when you put in the narrative, now people are going to start. We bring in the narrative voters, the people who are like. The Knicks were not supposed to be this good. And it was Randall who looked in the mirror and said, I gotta be better. And now he's passing better and he's playing but and it's all legitimate stuff. That raises the profile in the, you know, in in the eyes of voters. So I if you were ranking where Julius Randle would fall in the potential for all NBA, does he go above Tatum or does he go below Tatum? I
1: mean, like I'm like I will admit that I'm like a little biased here, not in terms of like I'm cheering for Jason Tatum, just in terms of like I've watched every second that Jason Tatum has played this season twice, right? Like, (laughs) and I've seen a good amount of Julius Randall. Um, you know, he's like he's having an unbelievable season, like a like a superstar level season, but like I still would lean Tatum just because, like, when you look at at the Celtics, like without Tatum, they, I mean. You know, like without Tatum, without Randall, both teams are in a lot of trouble. But like Tatum is crucial for the Celtics. Like he, he's he is, um, you know, he's been he's been their best player. When he's been good, the Celtics have been good generally. I I just, um, you know, like <laughs> the guy put up sixty points in a game. Like he's just right. such a professional scorer. Um, you know, I don't think his defense has been as good as it was last year, but he's still a, like a very solid defender. He's adding a lot of stuff to his game, um, and I just I, I just think that like. I feel better about Jason Tatum having the ball late. I know that's a narrative based thing, but like, you know, we're talking about Julius Randall, which is another sure, yeah. narrative based thing. Like to, to me, I, I just, I would go Tatum. Um, I, I just, I, I think he's a, I think he's a better player, but um, but Julius Randall's having an amazing season. Like I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't really have any issue with it. Again, I would just, I would also go back to the fact that like, I have literally watched every play yeah. that Jason Tatum has, has done this season, uh, probably multiple times.
0: So this so, is, this is where like, I I think I'm, I'm trying to think of where the voters would go. Yeah, I, I think the voters would put Randall ahead of Tatum because and especially because it's New York and you just you see it and you hear it. It's such a big the narrative is just so loud with with Randall. So
1: I also, think as far as I can tell, 97 percent of basketball writers who aren't like covering a specific team live in New York City.
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, and so I, I think I think it might actually come down to the final stretch like the Knicks are are going up against the West's best and the Celtics are trying to overtake them. And if the Celtics beat the Knicks on the last game of the season, if if writers really are saying, hmm, let me wait to see how this this plays out because there's still five or six games left. If the Knicks go on a five-game losing streak or, or something close to that, fall down to the sixth or seventh seed, and Tatum has big games and leads the Celtics up to five, maybe four, then I think there might be like a a, a late kind of uh we'll put Tatum above Randall, but maybe Randall makes a third team, I and mean, maybe it's somebody else that gets knocked off. So I I I've been kind of going back and forth. My initial reaction was there's so many guys that it voters can get creative to put in. The you know hey let's make Luca a forward because we want to put him in and and get these other guys up and we want to fit as many of these guards the the, the list of guards is just huge and I, I'm afraid that maybe somebody wants to get Russell Westbrook on there and there's there's a big Russell Westbrook push at the end and they say okay we're gonna fit eight guards onto six what which should be six spots by by classifying two of them as forwards and there you go, and that, that eats into what Jason Tatum's – because I don't think – Tatum is, is, is also eligible to be classified as a guard, but that, that doesn't yeah. help him at all. They're not no. going to bump a guard for him. So I, I'm afraid that that – too much of that is going to be happening this year, and it's going to squeeze Tatum out. That's what I'm afraid of.
1: I, I think that's very plausible. Um, Yeah, I, I like and, – and I mean, obviously, like, you know, like, you touched on it, but – The fact that the Celtics have disappointed does not help Tatum's case, even though I think that he's been the biggest part of the moments that they've actually gotten it right this year. Um, But like, you know, the Celtics have just not been what everybody kind of, what the narrative was before the season. Um, And, you know, there was that long stretch where, where Tatum was like, it went through no fault of his own, like trying to come back from COVID and where like his just his numbers weren't very good. So um, I think you're right, though. I think the la- I think the closing stretch of the season will, will be big, and if, and if Tatum can kind of leave the Celtics on a little bit of a run here, I think that's going to matter quite a bit.
0: Okay, Tom, Westerholm, Boston.com, GenoTime Podcast. Appreciate you coming on, sharing your thoughts. Uh, thanks for uh, swinging by for a bit. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for this Locked On Celtics podcast. Make sure you're checking out the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. He gets you caught up on all the latest news in every major sport with the help of local experts today on Locked On Today. How should NFL teams handle players who do not want to get vaccinated? Download, subscribe to Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe to Locked On Celtics if you're new wherever you get your podcast And on YouTube, it's a new thing that we're doing here Please subscribe on YouTube, trying to grow the show, and share the podcast. Share it with your friends. Tell them all that they should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.